Blog Talk Radio. Rest in peace, Mike Brown, Tamir Rice, Eric Corner, Trayvon Martin. I deserve to live like you.
Good evening, good evening, and welcome to the Superwoman Sanctuary Woman Cave. I am your host, Tina, and I will be joined in a second by my co-host, Mrs. Tamara Sinclair. Tonight we are going to be covering the topic of church hurt. And there's many reasons why people leave the church and some, some retire and some never come back. But tonight we're going to have that difficult conversation, so I'm going to get my uh, co-host on the line. Good evening, Miss Tamara. How are you? Good evening, Miss Tina. I am great. I am great. How are you this evening? I'm all right. How was your weekend? Relaxing, not long enough. <laughs> Weekends always go fast. <laughs> it never, it never is. Well, are you ready to dive into the topic? I am ready. I am ready. I will be posting it on Facebook, and inboxes have been coming in, and people all have a variety of examples of their church hurt or people hurt. But sure, let's let's, let's okay. talk about it. Got some good listeners in. Maybe we can get some questions or some comments some from feedback. some of the listeners as well. Absolutely. Well. I know when uh, we discussed it, I know that that's a that's a kind of a hard topic because a lot of people had a uh, had a feelings. And one thing I said that I was going to do, I said I was going to uh, share my testimony of of church hurt. Um, when I was young, I experienced a very I, I experienced it very early in church. I was um, I was in the youth choir. And I had uh, got my opportunity to be the choir director, and we had our songs picked, and we did, uh, you know, we did so much. And it was um, my sister, my brother, like everybody I had grew up in church with. And I was real short, so I used to have to stand up on that little box. And, oh, we would have a good, such a good time at church. I mean, we would really rock the house, and they would be surprised that the youth were singing. And when it was uh, the like the next term, when it was the next term, we got some new leadership to come in. And when the new leadership came in, they just like tore everything down. There was like no no discussion of what was going to happen and how things were going to be. And so they brought in another person. They brought in a, an adult. And it was like, okay, and they had promised that, you know, that people would be trained and, you know, that they would work They would work with me. But what I found was that I was totally and completely pushed to the side and knocked out the way. And mm-hmm. one of the rules for, one of the rules for the uh, youth choir was when you got in high school that you can transition over to the adult choir. Well, I accepted that, okay, I'm, I can't be the director and that's fine. But now, you know, it's time to transition, and I was totally and completely healed up. Like, I couldn't I couldn't transition over. And so it was like a fight for me to get into the adult choir. So I was about 15 or six, almost 16 years old before I was able to transition over into the adult choir. And so it was just really hard Sunday after Sunday just continuing to go, and it just kind of, uh, it hindered me a little bit. 
and it, it made me not, you know, it made me not want to go to choir rehearsal. It made me not want to, it made me not want to go to church anymore. And it was like I would say things, you know, I would tell my mom, and she would say, well, you know, it's going to be all right, you know, pray about it and keep going. But, you know, you could see the snickers and the laughs because the other, um, some of the other youth that were my same age, they got to transition, but I didn't. And it, I, I felt at the time that I was being picked on. And so I, it was just a, it was just a strain to just continue to go. And so by the time I was finally able to transition to the adult choir, by that time I had kind of made up in my mind that, you know, that wasn't really the church that I wanted to be at anymore or that wasn't the ministry I wanted to be a part of anymore because it was just very, it was very, it was very hurtful. And then when it came to, um, you know, like singing and everything, when it came to, like, leading the songs or, you know, getting opportunities like do devotion or things like that, it was always being told, like, oh, you can't sing or, um, and it, it happened to my brother and my sister also, like, oh, they can't sing, you know, nobody want to hear them, you know, those type of comments. And, you know, you just had that, you just had that uh, attitude towards uh, towards certain people and then you had, we dealt with the cliques and everything, time I was 16 years old, I had left the church. I had left my home church, and I decided to go and fellowship someplace else. And I had carried that with me. I had carried that with me for a long time, and it really hindered me when it came to singing. You know, it it, it was like it put a block in my throat, and it really hindered me a lot to um to worship. It, it really hindered my worship because it was like sometimes that's all I could think of was like when you really want to uh, sing praises to God, you know, somebody could tell you that you can't do it or you, you have to do it this way. And I had many other opportunities to be the director and, and do some things, but, you know, I just never, I never had any interest in it. I never, I, it just, it just like really killed my interest in music and worship and I found myself throughout my life, like, being in situations where that was my requirement. So I had to forgive and let that go and then worship God and, and really worship him. And I can see now as an adult, sometimes that's why I, you know, when I'm when I'm in church and some of the other things that I've done when it comes to worship, that's why I worship the way that I do because there was a point in my life where it was stopped, it was totally stopped, it was blocked, and it was just like it was hell just to just to sing a song sometimes. And it wasn't so much about leading the song and being in, in the front. It was more so about like it was more about people showing off their voices and things like that, but no real worship to God and. It took me a long time to get over. It took me a very long time to get over it, but I'm glad that I did. And truthfully, to this day, those issues, those issues with those people, have been reconciled. So I can say that maturity, maturity set in on all sides. So all is all is all is well, all is well now. But that was my experience with church hurt as a child. Okay, I have a question for you. You were a child. Okay. Um in the youth youth choir. 
um, new new members or a new direction came in, and you said you were pushed to the side. You your your growth was stagnant or stopped. As a child, yes. you discussed that with your mom. Was there ever a conversation yes. had with your mom, yourself, and the new leadership as to why it was happening the way that it was <laughs> happening? And, Yes, there was a conversation like uh, my dad, my dad, he didn't go to the church, but it had got so bad. It had, it actually got so bad because there was a situation involving my brother because my, my brother sings too. And it got so bad that my mom, my mom talked to them and then my dad had to come and sit down and have a meeting with um, this particular person and the pastor. And it was like, uh, it was resolved, you know, the issue got resolved and there was some understanding, but there was still like some hindrance to even to the point like my brother got kicked out. My brother got kicked out of the choir. Um, And, you know, just we, you know, we wind up, you know, me and my siblings, we wind up leaving. We, you know, we wind up leaving and just kind of going, we wind up going our own ways. For various reasons, but yes, it was a conversation with uh, it was a conversation had, but that you know that still don't stop people when they have an agenda. Okay, okay, well that's true. People have agendas, and their agendas is what's important. If they have the pastors backing or the the people in the church that hold a certain statue, then yeah, I can I can see how um, that can detour especially a child, or wanting to move forward in ministry or things of that nature, because they, as a child, you don't have that um, mindset that some adults have as they grow in church and grow in Christ, to, to not worry about what the person is doing, but more about the reason behind why you're doing what you're doing. Um, Absolutely. So- Absolutely. And um, sometimes I think people underestimate uh, underestimate children at church because you know they just see the kids there and they they run around and you know they you you figure they don't understand. But not every child that comes to church is one of you know yeah they may run around but like when the message is going forth when the songs are going forth and and you know like prayer meeting and Bible study there are some children who actually sit there and listen and are attentive. And they they listen to how you pray. They listen to the intensity of how you pray. And then when they you know when they stand up or they ask, can I read the scripture or can I can I sing? And then you you stop you stop them. You really you you hurt that child, and you also hurt the many you hurt the ministry in the church because that child has something to bring too. Because Children can sense the uh, presence of the Holy Spirit just like a, a believer can, you know. Oh, that's why children. That's why children come to Christ. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Even an example of that is like my children and even my nieces and my nephew. Um, when they're in church service, when they're in in service or in the presence of God, you can see it. On them, my daughters take Absolutely. notes in church. They write points that the pastor is given, and you know, sometimes you can come back and ask them what the message was about. When they're attentive, they can tell you what it is about. My my kids dance on the um praise, you know, the praise team. They dance, they're sing, they sing in a youth choir. My niece comes over to the church a lot, 
and dance with the girls as well on the praise team. So children do have their own way of interpreting what it is that's going on in church. Um, I know us as parents are responsible for what we're feeding them and absolutely making sure and saying what it is that we're feeding them, what we're teaching them, what they're seeing in church. Because it's one thing to go to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and it becomes a routine. But if there's some mm-hmm. substance added to that outside of what they see in the church, then, yeah, you do have those kids that praise that truly from the, from their heart. Praise God can pray. My, my niece said a prayer. They, they pray. Like, you'd be like, wow, that's a kid. But that kid has a connection that they've tapped into uh, with God. My daughter, uh, my 8-year-old daughter, same thing when she prays. She prays fast. <laughs> Sometimes, but she <laughs> prays in such a way that you're like, okay, she has a connection with God. So that is very important, when, especially with this topic, when you're dealing with the youth period. You have to be very careful on how you handle them because you could very well kill a ministry inside of the youth, kill a youth drive and determination to want to serve God in such a magnitude that's beyond sometimes adults understanding. So that I agree with you with that. So because you experience it as a young child or as a young adult, it, it hindered you for a while. You, you came back, thank God. Yes, it did. But I mean, I came back, and yes, it did. And it made me, it actually made me thirsty after you know, really made me thirsty after God and. I I mean I I prayed and I asked God like you know what what is this why you know why is this happening and you know for anybody listening when it comes to children Luke seventeen one and three says Jesus says to his disciples things that cause people to stumble are bound to come but woe to anyone through whom they come I would better for them to th- be thrown into the sea with a millstone around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So it's very important to watch ourselves how we treat children because, you know, just even myself, that hurt me for a long time that, like, I would say for somebody to see me singing in church now, they'll be like, wow, you know, you really, you sing in church knowing that it was years, it was years that went by that. I I mean, I would not open my mouth. I would not open my mouth because I did not want to have to deal with somebody saying, oh, you got to sit down, or that was the wrong song, or, you know, someone trying to control my worship. I I mean, I just shut up because I said I was staying privately. For a long time, I had a, a bathroom ministry where I just sung in the bathroom. I sung in the mirror. I sung in the shower. I would just worship God to myself. I would I would never do it in public. So I, you know... Definitely want people to be careful of, um, when it comes to, when it comes to children and things that they want to do in church. But I would like to go a little deeper because it goes, you know, it goes deeper. A lot of church hurt goes deeper than children because we have some people who um, got into arguments, um, people who were um, molested by uh, church members. We have people who were um, lied on. Uh, gossip, gossip about, and gossip too, and all right. of those play a part in, in people. A, a lot of those issues. I mean, it goes on and on because I got a couple of inboxes too, and I was very shocked. Like, wow, you know, this really happened. 
Like, you know, and, and I found myself apologizing to those people because it's like I may not have experienced what they experienced, but I know I know that hurt feeling when you hang your head and you just say, you know what, I don't want to do this no more. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm about to leave. You know, some people go to other churches and some people just never, you know, never go back. But I know that a lot of times argument, uh, arguments really, arguments really hurt people and how people like talk to you and they, they rude. It's like they, it's like, it's almost like they harass you in a sense. And you know, every Sunday you have to deal with this. So it just, it's like, you know what? It's not worth it. I didn't come here for this anyway. It's not worth it. So when I po when I first posted like, um, the first meme I posted, it said, uh, why did you leave the church? And I posted it one group, and it was like I got no response, no response whatsoever. And then finally later someone said, you know, take this poison down. You know, nobody wanted, nobody cares about that. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm just trying to do some research and get some feedback you know, to see, you know, why people, you know, feel the way they do about the church because people are very critical of the church. And the right. young man proceeded to the young man proceeded to tell me that if I truly followed the Bible that I was a woman and I couldn't talk to him, I couldn't speak unless I was being spoken to. And as a woman I couldn't teach him anything. So that I shouldn't be posting this or even having a radio show at all. And he also said, um, I told him, like, okay, well, I appreciate your feedback, but at the same time, the silence on the post spoke volumes. You know, the fact that nobody even acknowledged it, that said a lot. It was just those people they didn't believe. So it was like, okay, move on to the next next one. And mm-hmm. the one that jumped out to me, the one that really jumped out to me, it was the young man. He said, I didn't leave the church the church left me. And I said, wow, ouch. You know, how can the church leave you? You know, how did the church leave you? He said when the, when the church, he said when the church started preaching about, when the preachers started preaching about what they wanted and, and, and had their own philosophies and they were into collecting money for building funds and collecting money to pad their, pad their pockets and not really teaching me, you know, how to be a believer, teaching me how to pray, you know, teaching me about what a disciple was. And he was like, and then you go to church, they got all this stuff going on, they got all the music, everybody singing, all this entertainment. And he was like, and you leave. You come in broken and you leave broken. So I didn't leave the church. The church left me. And that left a great impression on me of, like, it's people actually sitting there feeling like that. And then there was another young, okay. Just to kind of, he said he didn't leave the church. The church left him. And I have an issue with the terminology church hurt because okay church is supposed to be within you so him saying that speaks volumes we are we are supposed to be the church the building mm-hmm. itself is where we go to fellowship i think it's more people Absolutely. hurt 
it's people that are causing the confusion, the hurt, the pain, the frustration. Um, it is expectations that we set of people that is causing the disappointment, the frustrations. Like you said, you're being lied on. There's gossiping. There's people that are being sexually mm-hmm. assaulted. Um, people are being, like you as a child, shunned away from their gifts because somebody else has a different agenda as to what it's supposed to look like for them. Um, I had an individual inbox me and say um, their issue with church was pastors are in the pulpit, 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 excuse me, preaching what they don't live. Mm. And that's major because I'm going to be honest, I've been in church most of my life. I had a stint in my life where I was out of church, but it wasn't because of church hurt or people hurt. It was just because mm-hmm. I just wanted to do something different. I, you know, <laughs> wanted to do my sin yeah. and and live my life and really didn't want to hear what anybody else had to say because in the back of my mind, I knew better. But at that point in my life, I didn't want to do better. So I couldn't blame anybody for my reason not being in church, although some people can say things happened to them in church that made them leave the church. Mm-hmm. But I, being married to a minister and being close to what goes on in ministry more now than I've ever been. I have, Mm -hmm. and I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I really believe it is going to be more pastors and preachers busting hell wide open than the people that call here sin every day. (laughs) Just because there is so much that people that are supposed to be leaders, that are supposed to be responsible for souls, are supposed to be responsible for teaching us God's word, helping us grow in God's word, helping us understand God's word. Like, like I said, being taught how to pray, being taught how to worship, being taught how to minister. You know, a, a mm-hmm. sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is what patients should be with going into absolutely the church where you serve. But people are not getting sound doctrine. So absolutely. a lot of people are looking, they come to church, there is not welcoming, you got people looking at you funny, you got people clicks in the church. Um there's a lot Uh-oh. of Oh, watch it, watch it, watch it. Yeah, you got, it's the truth, now. You got people, you got a lot of things going on. I'm trying to pray a light cuz I don't want to say anything that's unappro- you know, that's not appropriate according to you know, I, I want to stay lined up, you know, with God and not make, go to the left with it or whatever the case may be. But there are so many things that we see in the church that it makes you say, I ain't coming back. Why should I come back? Why should yes. I stay up on an individual who's supposed to be the leader of the house, the, you know, the, the shepherd of the flock, and they cheating on their wife, they stealing the church's money, they mm. they lying. They, you know, there's so many, there's a laundry list of sins that these leaders are committing and people are watching this. And if you don't have a relationship with God, or if you are seeking a relationship with God, or if you're a baby in a relationship with God, it's a turnoff. It makes you say, what's the point of me being here? The very individual that I'm supposed to gravitate to, to grow and, and learn 
and develop and truly develop. It is, it is an individual walk, but your pastor, your priest, your minister, your reverend, that's the person that is supposed to help groom you, teach you, you know, guide you. And if that person is not right, or even I'll go so far as to say the first lady is not right, or the deacons or the board oh. or, the, or the individuals that you are looking to for that support and that help, it's a turn off to people. So it ain't the church that's hurting folks. It's the people it's the that's hurting But, you know, and I think – no, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'll just say I know that, like, a lot of people, they, they, they come to church expecting, like, refuge. They People come to church for different reasons. You know, you do mm-hmm. have, you you know, so let me, let me say this first. You do have those people who come to use the church, like, oh, well, they pay like bills. They, they give away free food, um, you know, and they try to get in good and rub people, uh, rub elbows with people so, you know, they could start their own platforms and different things like that. So, you know, it's good and it's good and bad everything, but I know a lot of times people come to church expecting, you know, expecting, you know, refuge. They they expect to like be taught and they come to Christ because, you know, people could say, you know, this is not, you know, this is not real or whatever they want to say, but, you know, at the end of the day, the heathen know who our God is. So people come expecting to learn how to live this kingdom, this kingdom way. And so when they, you know, they open the door to the church and you come in, you know, you're thinking that you're going to be a part of the family, you know, being right. being a part right. of this church family. Like, you belong to these people. So it's like you, like you said, they're going to be welcoming and they're going to embrace you. But I think, you know, and then we say, you know, we, 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 we hit on the pastor, we hit on the pastor a lot, and then you touched on the different boards, but I think people, you know, like you said, people don't understand that those people are people too. And right. there right. is an actual, and, and and there is a actual purpose for the church, the reason why we come together in that building to fellowship. There is an actual uh, purpose, and people people expect that purpose to be, that people expect that purpose to be carried out. And, you know, I did my little research, and it was saying that the purpose of the church is to worship God, study his word, love one another, help each other, partake in baptism in the Lord's Supper, learn to live as kingdom people and to be equipped to evangelize. And I do have the scriptures to back that up. I definitely post those on Facebook. But that's what people expect when they come to church. And, you know, when you, when you're like you, when you really don't have a lot of knowledge of like the kingdom and you're new coming in, you don't realize that those same people are sinners. They are, they're sinners too. They had to, they, they weren't just born that, they weren't just born into the church. They still, even if they, those little babies, those little babies still had to go up to the front and sit down in their seat just like everybody else. But the people expect those people in leadership, whatever it be, whether it's the pastor or the other auxiliary, they expect those people to be born again. They expect those people to be changed people, and when they come in contact with a, 
I don't want to say a, a, I don't have to use, when they come in contact with somebody who is not born again, it is a big disappointment because you're dealing, you, you're, you take your time out to go to this place and fellowship and you're dealing with the same thing that you deal with on your job, the same thing you deal with at school, the same thing you deal with at the bus stop, the same thing you deal with at your neighborhood. And it's like right now church hurt is, church hurt, I would say I still, you know, yes, it's people hurt, but I would still say church hurt because we're not, as believers, we're not meeting the expectation of what the purpose of the church is. That's true. If that those, is very true. You know, if, I was doing, you know, go ahead. I was doing some, when we, when we decided that we were going to do this topic, I, I did some research as well. I posted the the questions um, mm-hmm. that we to see if we can get people to engage um, in the conversation. Um, what I found in doing my research, and I'm going to read it to you, um, it says some people are hurt through their own mistakes, others because of their mm-hmm. sin committed against them, and still others because of failed leadership. This reality can leave them reluctant to re-engage, afraid of being hurt again, wanting to protect themselves, and questioning the place of church in their lives. The good news for the hurting is that God has spoken to your pain in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Most, of, most of the writing in the New Testament about how to live in a church exists because the church has never been perfect. Most, if not all, of the letters were written to solve problems in the church. It talked about Galatians 1, 6-7. We can post these later. Um, Colossians, it talks about Second Timothy to solve tension and secession. It talks about in Philipp- uh, Philippines, it talks to solve Philippians to solve conflict and selfish ambition. And then the first and second Corinthians to solve a whole host of problems centered around the issues of human pride and gifting and speaking mm-hmm. that led to loveless and arrogant religious activity. So I said that to say this. It's church hurt slash people hurt, and yes, the individuals that are in leadership are people, and they are human, and they make mistakes. But if you accept that role, you walk into that role, Mm -hmm. you step into that role, the expectation on you is higher than it would be for just a member coming into the church sitting every Sunday. After Sunday, yes, you are going to fall short because we all do every day. But you are—you cannot, under no circumstances, when you are responsible for souls and you are the shepherd of a flock, there is no way possible that you are supposed to be leading people, teaching people, guiding mm-hmm. people, and you not living part of the Bible. You need to be every day. To be living a portion. I'm gonna give you an example. A, a minister, and I'm, I, and, and this is something that I know. So I'm not speaking on what I heard. This is something that I know of. There was an individual who was falsely, falsely accused of having an affair with the pastor by the wife. Mm. Okay, there was no truth to it. It was a meeting held in the church to address it, but not address it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it was 
in one turn, it was a conversation of this should have never happened. This is crazy. He's crazy. You know, this is a, a, a daughter in Christ of mine, blah, 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 blah. You know, just a full-blown meeting with church members about the accusation, okay? Mm-hmm. Then it never was an address, never was an apology given, never was it, okay, we need to figure out what's going on and, 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 and work this situation out. This was a Thursday on that Sunday, the pastor totally recanted everything they said in that meeting on Thursday and pretty much made it mm. seem like it was that individual's fault that things were being said and things are being done. I mean, the the first lady went so far as to call people, had people talking about they was going to jump on this mm. woman, and there was no truth, mm. no truth to the accusations whatsoever. And this was a, a young woman that prayed for the ministry that tried mm-hmm. to go in with guns blazing to help yes. build up the ministry. So that is an example of church slash for hurt. But if you are in leadership, you're just held to a higher regard. I'm sorry. You yeah, you're human. Yeah, you fall Absolutely. short. But you are held to a higher regard. You you don't have no business in the pulpit preaching to me about what the words say and you having an affair on your wife. You don't have a business preaching to me and you still in the church's money. You out every week getting high and drunk. Yeah, we all have our vices. But at what point mm-hmm. is the pastor or whomever is in that leadership role have to take responsibility for their shortcomings, try to correct those shortcomings so that the people that are trying to come to you because the church is a hospital where we all come for healing and, and understanding. Absolutely. But it, Absolutely. it's difficult for me to come to you and confide in you as my pastor if I'm having trouble in my marriage and I know you have an affair on your wife. How can I do that? That's going to be a turn off for me. And not enough people <laughs> yes. are holding these pastors accountable for the things that they are doing or not doing. And then the first thing that comes out of someone's mouth is, oh, they're human too. Well, yeah, they are human, but you accepted a calling. That holds a whole nother level to your responsibilities of being a pastor of a church, being a shepherd of a flock, being responsible for people's souls. That's blood on your hands. Yeah. And also, a lot of times when, um, you know, a lot of issues like when you address the arguments, because a lot of people bring their, you know, a lot of people bring their problems and their personal issues to church. Right. And, right. you know, you think you can, you know, you start an argument with a person. But, you know, a lot of things can be avoided if people understand. You know, we read our Bible and we say, yeah, open rebuke, and you can rebuke the person and this and that, and, you know, you can step to them and correct them. But you also have to understand that in order to rebuke somebody, you have to have a relationship with them. You know, you can't just, you know, you can't stand in a pulpit or in a classroom or, you know, in the church meeting, in the business meeting or just in the church meeting as a whole and just, you know, start talking crazy. You know, you have to have taken time out with people to, like, get to know your sister in Christ, get to know your brother in Christ and and, and pray for them and talk to them before you, like, go to them and try to talk to them about 
their so-called issue or your issue with them. You have to have a relationship. And a lot of times that's what, that's what people meet when they get there. You know, somebody may, uh, you know, like people who use drugs or like if you do know that someone is having an affair on their wife, you know, are, do you have a relationship enough, are you close enough to that person to go to them and address them? And when you address them, are you addressing them in love? Or are you being judgmental and condemning like, well, you know, you shouldn't be doing, you know, sometimes people don't understand that because even when um, Samuel rebuked Saul, he had a relationship with Saul. He was actually friends with him. And even when David, when Nathan rebuked David about, you know, the affair that he had with uh, Bathsheba, you know, David and Nathan, they were friends. They they had time invested with each other to go to them and talk to them. So a lot of times, you know, the church hurt, people hurt comes from, you know, just actually having been somewhere, someplace for a long time. And you never, you know, you just have your position or you have your stance in the church, and then when people come in, you know, it's like I know a lot of people, they, they are envious and jealous because sometimes they don't, they may be afraid that this person may outshine them. So they'll do, they'll say and do little things, whereas, you know, it's not so much the pastor and the leadership is called to a higher standard. Anybody who walk in that building on Sunday morning is called to a higher standard. You're called to be a believer. You're called to be born again. And uh, is that what you're striving for? And if that's not what you're striving for, then, you know, hopefully there are some kingdom building classes, some new members classes, some evangelism classes, some um, Christian living classes. Hopefully there are those type of teachings and trainings going on at your church so that you could get them also because everybody that go to the church is not born, is not a born again believer. Everybody who accepts, uh, everybody who accepts Christ is, um, they don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They they are not spirit-filled. They are just people, like you said earlier, those are people who routinely come to church, and that leaves that person that's walking in trying to change, wanting something better. That leaves that person subject to that poisonous individual. Yes, and that, and that was going to be, uh, it's not just about the leaders. I was just one point that I was making about people <laughs> It simply come from. Another point I was going to make is you mentioned about coming to church when they open up the doors of the church and you think you're joining a family and you want people to embrace you and things of that nature. What I'm noticing and what I've noticed before um, mm-hmm. is a lot of times there's no follow-through. You have an individual that, that might be going through some things. The, the word that's given might, might be right on their street, might be right addressing everything that they're feeling, you know, and this, and they join or they come up for prayer or they come up to rededicate because of that emotion. At that moment, you know, they, and they feel like that is the right thing and the best thing to do. Here's where I think we lose people. There's no follow Okay. I join church on Sunday. You get my information. I just. Monday, I I go right when I walk out the church on Sunday, and I go back home. I'm going right back home to whatever it is that I'm dealing with, rather mm-hmm. whatever my issues are. I'm going back home to that. Um, where's the accountability of the church and the people in the church? No matter who it is, I don't care if you don't hold a title. 
to say, hey, mm-hmm. Sister Cameron was here on Sunday. It's it's Friday, or even just even if you wait till next Sunday. If I don't come to church that next Sunday, but I was I was screaming and hollering and crying and praising and worshiping, and I came and mm-hmm. gave myself to the Lord, and I don't come to church that following Sunday. Why isn't nobody calling me to find out what's going on? Why isn't nobody calling me? Right. Hey, we noticed that you were missing today. Is everything okay? You know, can something that we you need help? You know, we offer. Where is the the resources or where is the accountability to say there we're not attentive? That's what I'm trying to say. The church mm-hmm. as a whole and whomever you put in that position, there is no they're not attentive right. to what's going on. I done joined on Sunday and came and I done, I didn't cried out and I done said I needed this is what I needed. I need prayer on Sunday. The following Sunday I don't come because I don't went right back to my mess. And that feeling has now passed, and I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pick up the Bible and read the Word. I don't know how mm-hmm. to reach out for help. I just so happened that this particular Sunday a friend kept telling me to come to church, so I came to church, and it was right on time. But there and there's no follow-through. This is how I think a lot of people, and it might not be all people, but this is where I think a lot right. of people are lost because there's no follow-through. We're not attentive to who is there, who is not there. You know, we don't reach out. So if I join, thinking I'm joining a family, thinking I'm, I'm right. following up, you know, hey, I, I got people that say they love me, the mothers that came and embraced me and prayed with me, the pastor that came and embraced me and prayed with me, but nobody ever picked up the phone to say, hey, is everything okay? If I join on Sunday and right. I pray, you pray with me, how come I can't get a call on Tuesday or Wednesday after Bible study? Hey, I'm just checking in with your sister to make sure everything is all right. I know Sunday you right. join the church. Hey, you want to come to Bible study? Hey, we got this going on at the church on Friday. You need a ride? Hey, Sunday, you need a ride to church? Are you sick? I mean, there's no follow-through and accountability, and we're not attentive to the people that come in hurt, the people that come in with a certain right. expectation. The people that come in looking for something, they think they found it, but then it's like, no, that that's not what I thought it was going to be because that's not it. I, Absolutely, I soon roll their eyes, or I didn't get a phone call. They didn't find, because if I'm not strong enough in my faith, or strong enough in my walk, if I'm brand new and, and I'm I'm crying out and I don't know which way to go, isn't it the church's job to make sure that they guide me that way so they help me get it is. strong enough? to where my skin is a little bit thicker so stuff don't bother me as much or that I know how to pray it myself is. through a situation or I know how to go to the Word to get myself through a situation. So I think we're losing people because we don't follow through and we're not attentive. And it's because, oh, well, that's just another person that yeah. came. I'm just going to write her name and number and address on this book. But I don't even know what the book is. Say collect, and say collect her offering and keep it moving. Yeah, there are, you know, say the truth is there are are some places like that. But then, again, sometimes things happen to people because of their own issues they have and lack of commitment. Because there are a lot of, there are a lot of, there are a lot of people who walk into places and they know they raggedy. And they, you know, because they have a, because they have a certain gift, 
they expect to immediately be thrown to the front and they don't want to go through the they don't want to go they don't want to go through the process and, and, and the change and, and make the changes that they want to take and some people get upset because, you know, at the same time people in the church are very discerning so they, they, they can see they can see there are people who can see you know, your issues and things that are going on and they, you know, they will, they will address it. And some people get upset because they get caught, they get caught in their own mess and they don't like that. So they'll leave and they'll start bad. They'll leave and they'll start bad mouthing with this person, this, and this person said that, and they do this and this going on. So you have, you have that also. And like you said, we, um, we don't follow, we don't follow up. Yeah, we don't follow up. And that and that is that is so true. And there, are, um, I know when I was growing up, we had uh, people they would assign someone to you. Like when you became, you know, when you joined church or whatever, they would assign someone to you. So you had a chance to get close to that person and talk to that person, and you had a prayer partner, and you, you know, you had a prayer partner. You had somebody checking on you, checking for you, and like you said, letting you know you know, what was going on. And we, we don't, we really don't do that anymore because we have a lot of mega churches where it's like a thousand people where they would probably never get to shake hands with the pastor. Um, and they, you know, kind of get lost. They get lost in the shuffle or they could kind of sneak in, sneak out and you would never right. notice. And, in, in, right. and sometimes in small, and sometimes in small churches, those are comprised of a lot of families. And so those families are, you know, and it's not that the families are cliquish. At the end of the day, they're family. That's their cousin. That's their brother. That's their sister. That's their neighbor. You know, and a lot of times you have you have that. So people get people get close people get closed out, and and it's kind of like you have a you have a certain mentality in a mega church, and then you have a certain mentality in a small church. And sometimes in a small church, we lose a lot of people simply because it's, you, you're too familiar. You're too familiar, and, and that and that familiar and, and that familiarity causes you not to believe that a person can change because you're always remembering what they did or where they used to be and sometimes you're so small minded that you don't see yeah I used to do drugs but I don't anymore you may not know that person may have been clean seven years but all you know is that they do drugs or they used to, when they exactly. came they did drugs but you don't know that they got a, a alcoholic anonymous certificate they go to meetings every week they um you know you don't you don't know their accomplishments because you're too familiar and that causes hurt also because you have a lot of you have a lot of situations where people just focus on the problem and don't focus on the progress there we go and that was my third point when you <laughs> Look, because I, 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 honestly, I can't say that I've been church hurt. I honestly cannot say that. I, I've been in churches where I've seen some things that I was like, that was questionable to me, where things were said mm-hmm. to me where I was like, did she just say that to me? You know, or did he just say that to me? I've been in churches right. where I question the environment or I question what I heard, I questioned the gossip I, and things, but I think for me, and everybody is not cut like me. Everybody doesn't think the way that I think. And, and it took me a long time to really, really, really get a relationship with God. Prayer life 
reading the Word, because I would read the Bible but didn't understand nothing I was reading, and Bible study wasn't helping me. If that makes you know mm. what I mean? So it's like, yeah, if I'm sitting in a situation where I don't feel like I'm growing, because I, I I didn't get I haven't experienced church hurt. I've seen mm. some things, I've heard some things. Some things have been said to mm-hmm. me, but that ain't what ran me from the church. What ran me from the church was me and my relationship that I mm. did not have right. with God on the level that it should have been at that point in my life. But when I really got serious about my salvation and got serious about my relationship with God and wanted to really mm-hmm. seek him for who he was in my life, then I started being very open-minded to the things that I saw, the things that I heard. Right. So now my expectations in church change. Now I'm looking mm-hmm. for sound teaching, sound doctrine. I got a question. I'm looking mm-hmm. for a leader or somebody that's a little more seasoned than me to be able to answer right. that question, not beat around the bush, mm-hmm. not totally disregard my question, not make me feel less of a person because I don't know the answer. Right. I'm coming to church for a reason. I'm coming to church because I'm not there yet, and I want to get there, but I need a little help to get there. So if I don't feel like the situation is helping me grow as a believer, mm-hmm. grow as a worshiper, grow as a praiser, grow in my knowledge mm. of the word, grow as a person that's praying, you know, because we all come into the church with a little bit of knowledge. And some of us come in there with none at all because we don't have no clue what church even looks like. So if I come right. in with no expectations, and I don't know even I don't even know what this supposed to look like to me. All I know is I heard the music playing. I walked past this church and I walked through the door. I walked through the door with an expectation, and whatever my expectation was, because some expectations are not the same, some are not on the same level, Absolutely. some are not for God, some is for something totally different. But for me, speaking for personal experience. My expectation mm-hmm. when I decided that I really wanted to have a relationship with God was growth. Lord, I know how Absolutely. to pray, but I want to learn how to pray even better. Lord, I read your word, Absolutely. but I need understanding and discernment of your word. And if I wasn't, I wasn't getting that. So because I wasn't getting that, I made the decision to move around. I it wasn't, and I didn't mm. go bashing anybody or saying the pastor this and the, and the first lady that or the deacons this. Right. I didn't do any of that. When I was asked why I left, because I didn't feel like I was growing here. I didn't feel like my expectations were being met as to where I was as a Christian, a woman of God, a right. believer in the word, trying to get to that next level. Am I still there yet? No. But I've grown a whole lot more than where I used to be. I can genuinely pray. I'm going to be honest with you, Tina. At one point, I didn't even know how to pray. I do the Lord's Prayer, but mm. that was it. And I had an older person tell me, my grandmother was a praying woman. My grandmother went to church. My grandmother is the one who instilled church in me when I lived with her for a little stint of my life. Mm -hmm. So I knew what it looked like or whatever. I would hear her pray. But it was like, okay, that's my grandmother's prayer. What about for me? How do I pray? Right. And I had an individual tell me, just talk talk to him. Just talk to him. Like you would talk to your friend or like you would talk to to your boyfriend or like you would talk to your mom or your sister. Just talk to him and tell him the desires of your heart. And and if you're genuine mm-hmm. and you're truly seeking him, it'll go from there. You'll know how to cry out to him. And then you'll he'll give you discernment to hear him. 
to give you discernment to make decisions. Right. We're reading the word. I would read the Bible. I didn't know. Like, what is these people talking about? I'm looking up the word because I don't understand <laughs> half these words that fans. Right. I'm being honest. I'm speaking from personal experience. I didn't know what I was reading. Some of the stuff I can, because I have a pretty good idea of how to comprehend things, I could probably put mm-hmm. two and two together. But truly, truly understanding what it was that the Lord was giving to me in the book, I had no clue. I had no clue. And where I was going at the time, I wasn't getting it. I wasn't getting it. I wasn't understanding it. I was asking questions, and they weren't being answered. And I was stuck. So because I didn't want to be in mm. that position anymore, I decided to move and, and seek something different somewhere else. Right. Now, I can honestly say after making that move, I've grown tremendously. I truly can say I understand what I'm reading, and if I don't, I can ask a question and get it answered. My husband is very right. knowledgeable of the word, and he can help me break some of it down, and I'm not sure if I'm reading it right. I'm tapping to my knowledge that my sister has. You know, I do have some individuals in my life that I can go to now and say, hey, I was reading this. What do you think? Or, you know, can you help me mm-hmm. understand? Am I understanding it correctly? So sometimes when you go into church and your expectations of what's next, I'm growing, but not like I want to be. I, I, I see some things, right. but it's not how I thought it was going to be. It might not necessarily be church hurt, because for me, I didn't have it. I didn't have church hurt. I just, my expectations wasn't being met. Mm. Well, I, I want to share this. Uh, you say your expectations wasn't being met. My experience with church was I wasn't even get. I didn't even really get a chance to grow. And okay. I I experienced I experienced church church hurt on some deep levels, and okay. luckily I did have the you know luckily I did have the understanding myself to sit down and learn on my own, and I had um, I had my family because my family is deeply rooted in the Church of God in Christ and, you know, in okay. church. So I, I had a lot of people to break it down and talk to me uh, and correct me and get get me right. But okay. I was called to, you know, there are some people, and it may be even some people listening who say, mm-hmm, they got their lip turned up. But I'm going to be honest, I was called to ministry in 2002. I knew my whole life that I wanted to be a minister of the gospel. And I was called okay. to ministry and licensed in, in 2002. But, you know, me out there in the world doing my own thing and, you know, doing some things that didn't quite line up with the word. You know, I got my license and everything, but I didn't have to, I didn't, I did not do what a lot of people do. I did not just try to, just, just try to do it and, and try to get myself together along the way. What I did, and some people don't know, is I sat myself down because I knew doing, you know, my life didn't line up with the word of God. I knew I was not in his will. And okay. when, you know, I don't want to get too deep, but, you know, my husband and I lived together for a while before we were married. And, you know, we, we went through our ups and downs. And, you know, of course, I got to some arguments with some people because I had a bad, you know, overall I had a bad attitude. And I was, you know, sometimes, with, you know, people think people, I had a lot of people assume they knew me because of some rumors that, some rumors that have been spread about me from other church people because, I, you know, overall I've always been in the church. And I've had some rumors okay. spread about me through, through other people. But I sat myself down 
for a season. Like you said, I left because I wasn't, I wasn't, I mean, I, when I say I couldn't, I wasn't even able to grow. I wasn't even able to go and just like, just try to be a part of a church without somebody bringing up, don't she live with somebody? Um, uh, don't he do this or don't he do that? Well, she this and she that. So it was, it was almost like, you know what, let me, let me go. Let me, let me get my stuff together first before I come back in here. But I went in and I was like, in a sense, ran off because of the the sin that was going on in my life. It was nobody to, it, I didn't have too many people coming to me and talking to me about it and trying to like pray me through it, like you said, and, and get, get me right, help me, help me along the way. And I found myself going in. And, and, and trying to learn and trying to be a part, but I kept getting shunned because of the things that were going on. And then the fact that I was a minister, it was extra hard on me because it's like, don't she supposed to be a minister? Don't she supposed to be doing this? So when you say people hold you in high regard, you know, people do hold you in high regard, but sometimes people need to pay attention to the the way that you're living. It's like, yes, I'm supposed to be a minister, but do you see me trying to do you see me trying to fight my way and sit up there in the front? Do you see me trying to stand up there and preach over everybody and preach hellfire and damnation and I'm not living what I speak? So I had set myself down until I got my life in order and got some things in order. And then when everything was in order and I was finally able to stand up, it was still people like well, she did this, she did that, or this was going on, and that was going on. So it's like even even still, even even at that moment, I wasn't allowed to grow. I, and, and people, for whatever reason, they did not want to see the progress. So I say with with me, my church, my church hurt came, and a lot of and a lot of my church hurt stemmed from people wanting to be in people wanting to be in certain positions. And and they talked bad on me so they could get in, and it was like kind of put that X on me, put that mark on me, like oh she bad, don't don't never let her talk, don't never let her do nothing or whatever. And that was very that was very hurtful for me, but I thank God for me being able to grow and and a lot of things that people don't know about people who actually leave the church and go away that God work on you. He work on you because he knows your desire. So he work on you. He heal you. He help you learn to forgive those people. So that way, when you go back, when he when he send you back into the flock, oh, he give you a voice. He give you a voice because during that time, during that time of separation, you get to know him. He gets to know you. You learn yes. him and yes. you learn him. You learn his way. So when you when you stand up and you. Speak his word and authority that you have in your voice, and they say, "Well, who she thinks she is? She this and she that way." See, you 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 don't know I have that authority because unlike you who go to church routinely and 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 think you're the judge and the jury, you don't even have a relationship. I had it. People people who who leave, who people who get hurt, and people who leave. If those are people that God want in his church, he works yes. on them and he give yes. he give them a voice and he give them authority and when he plant them, they are he when he plant them in the church, trust me, they already been in the, they've been on the potter's wheel, they've been in the refiner's fire, and he also had put them in a pot and he groomed them and pruned them and he plucked them himself. So when he plant them, they will they will not be moved. And that's why you have a lot of people who 
who leave, like, who leave one church and then they go to another church and then it's like, well, now they're a minister, now they're an apostle, now they're a prophet or they're on the usher board or they're a deacon, they're a deaconess, and now they're finally in position. It's not that they left your, it's not that they left your flock because you wouldn't let them do something. No, they left to go somewhere with what you said. They left to go somewhere where they could grow. And a lot of times we, you know, again, like you said, with the leadership, we hurt people, leader, and, and I say leadership because I am an associate minister at my church. We do hurt people because we look at we, we look at them and we scrutinize them, and we feel like we are in charge of their growth and when they should move and when they should do things and how they should do things, <laughs> and we want them, and, and we want them to do a certain thing a certain way, but... That's not our, you know, yes, it's our job, but at the same time, it's not our, It's not up to us personally. It's not up to us personally, like, oh, you ain't ready, or you this, or you that. You know, you have to give, pe- you have to give people an opportunity. And when people tell you, when people express a need for something, like if they tell you, you know, I feel like I'm called to the ministry, put them in ministry. Put them in the new minister's the minister's training class. If they tell you that they call to evangelist, send them to evangelist school. If they tell you they want to develop in the prophetic, get on what you said that follow through. Get on top of it because when you neglect it and you prolong it and you prolong it, even as a leader, you don't realize how much you hurt and hinder your people. I was just going to say that. Now that is church hurt. Now that's church hurt. Because now you think that you know, you know. Yes, you know what's best because you were put in in the position to 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 be over. But you know, again, like everything you say, you have a responsibility to look at your people and, and guide them, lead them. You we have a responsibility, and if we neglect if we neglect the cries of our own as leaders, if we neglect the cries of our people, we lose them and we hurt them and we damage them. Because some of those people now that are, you know, those apostles, those prophets, those ministers, those people, they will never step foot back in our church, especially if our church is still functioning the same way that it was functioning when we left. We yes, expect, we expect them. Go ahead. No, I was, I, I agree with you 100%, Tina, because I was just going to say that, uh, you know, outside of just the regular, you know, day-to-day people that's coming into the church, the ministerial staff, the associate ministers, that you know the the deacons that those that are interested in you know a lot of times the leaders have their own expectations of what they think their associate ministers should be doing or what they shouldn't be doing so there's clap put on their growth and development oh well I don't think you're ready to go preach anywhere else or I don't think you're ready to teach Sunday school or I don't think you're ready to teach Bible school. School. So then the question becomes is, okay, so if you don't think I'm ready, what are you doing to help me get ready? Where's the continuation so that I can continue to grow in the ministry as a minister, Come on, somebody. as a deacon, as mm-hmm. an evangelist? So I, that, I wrote, that was something that I had wrote down as well. Not only is it just hurting people like us, it's hurting people that are in the ministry, associate ministers and things of that nature, they're also being hurt. They're, they're also feeling lost. So like they don't have a, a way to turn, don't know what to do because things are not what they expected. Hey, I was called to ministry. I've, I've gone through the ministerial classes. I've done my sermon. I've gotten mm-hmm. my license. What's next? 
what do I do next? All you have is your pastor telling you you're not ready, but there's no preparation to get me ready. So it's the same concept. Like if I'm coming in as mm-hmm. a member joining the church looking for growth, the ministers that become ministers are also looking for growth and need that growth, need that encouragement, you know, need those classes and whatever it is that you want to do to help them grow. You know, as you were talking about mm-hmm. with God, um, when you go through things, when you left the church and you came back, once you aligned your life up with God and you were more confident and, you know, God had put you through the fire, he groomed you and molded you and different things of that nature. My sister likes to call it being bold for the Lord because you bold mm-hmm. and that's what the word tells you to be. We go forth and be bold in his word and, and, your, and your actions and carrying out his word. And then man can't move you. So then when you are in that position, what somebody says about you don't matter. What somebody does doesn't matter. It's going to come, but if you have on your armor and you are bold, it doesn't make a difference. Oh, well, she saw what Sister Tina used to do this, and she used to shack. But before you got there, that was something that bothered you. Before you got there, that was Absolute. something that you had to Absolute. hear. You had to feel a certain kind of way mm-hmm. about But when you really establish a relationship, like you said, you had a relationship with him. They might have felt like you didn't. You had enough sense to say, hey, I'm not right, and there is no reason for me to be in here trying to teach people God's word, and I'm not living up to God's word. Like I said, we're going to all fall short. None of us are going to be perfect, but if you can recognize that you are falling short and you want to step away to correct that and, and get yourself in shape, I don't see anything wrong with that. You knew that that was a calling on your life, but you also knew that you was not fulfilling that calling to, to the degree that God wanted you to. So you stepped back and said, hey, until I get myself right, until I stop fornicating, until I stop, stop shacking, until I stop doing whatever. Yes, come on now. I'm not going to be before God's people talking about the Bible, talking about God said do this, God said do that, and then go right back home to my sin. We all have it, whether it's out in the open or it's private. Or in secret. Mm-hmm. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, are you bold enough in your relationship with God to say, hey, enough is enough, I'm going to correct it? Or are you mm-hmm. going to continue to deceive God's people? And that's what I was talking about when you have being held to a certain standard. You're being held to a certain standard. You're, And it's sad, but you really are under a serious microscope when you say you're a minister. I'm Do you hear me? Pastor, I'm, I'm an evangelist. I'm a this, you under a microscope. So the life that you once lived is no longer yours because now everybody got you under, they, they watching, oh, what's she doing? Oh, is she drinking? What's in that glass? Oh, what's she doing? What, is that her husband? She Are you smoking to? that I mean, weed? Yes. Yes. Uh, come on now. She got a cigarette in her head. I mean, <laughs> no matter what your vice <laughs> might be, no matter how small it is, or even if you don't even do it every day, it has now become a public <laughs> Forum for people because they're watching everything you do. Thing they are commenting on do. everything you do, mm. everything you say, and sometimes it's valid and sometimes it's not. But if I am an individual that that truly loves you and truly concerned about your walk, I'm gonna come to you a totally different way than gossip. I'm not gonna go over here to Pam and be like. Oh, you know, Tina was outside smoking that cigarette, girl. She's supposed to be a minister. I'm going to do that. I'm going to come to Tina and say, hey, 
you know, sister Reed. Yes, you know, I know you got your struggles. Yes. You know you got your struggles and I seen you out there puffing on that that cigarette. Let's pray about it. Let's ask God to remove that from your mouth. That's what we supposed to be doing. You know, instead of coming yes, at people and we so doing far, the opposite. Us, and we're doing the opposite and that's where people are falling short. People get hurt. From and people get yeah. hurt because I came here because I knew I had issues. I came here because I knew I had some things that I needed to work on, but you're not making it no better by talking about me. Yeah, and you know what, right now, just because you said that, I want to—I just want to give a special shout-out to my pastor that was in Oklahoma, uh, the church that I left, uh, Pastor Every Mac of New Hope, Langston, Oklahoma. When I joined, when I uh, joined the church and I came, he sat, I mean, he came to me and he sat me down. He did, um, he also did like a pre-marriage counseling with uh, me and my husband before we got married. And he sat, he brought me in his office and he sat me down and he had a conversation with me that when I say I, I enjoy going to church every Sunday, he told me, he said, I know you a minister. And he said, and I know you got some things going on in your life right now that, you know, you have to get in order. He said, but I believe in you, and I'm praying for you, and I'm I'm going to work with you. And he said um, he would, you know, he would um, he would call me on the phone. He would visit me and my uh, husband, at, uh, or at that time, my fiancé, he would visit us at our house. He would talk to us. He would pray for us. He would pray for our children. He would, um, he, my husband worked at an auto parts store, so he would, you know, he would go in and, get things to fix his car and he would talk to my husband. He kept he kept a relationship with us. And right before we got married I found out that I was pregnant with our uh second child. So I'm telling you, I wasn't I wasn't I knew I wasn't all the way right. And he, at that time he told me he said, Nope, I'm not gonna let you slip away And he um he talked to me, he counseled me, he got the other associate um female minister, she talked with me, she worked with me, and I mean they when I say them people pray for my family, they pray for my family. And when my husband and I when we got married and I came and we uh came back, we got married in Chicago and when we went back home, when I tell you he stood me and my husband up, he asked me, he presented me to the church. He um he uh he stood me up, he stood my husband up and he had my husband escort me. He said, Mr. Reed, can you escort Mrs. Reed to the pulpit, please? And he told the congregation, I present to you, Minister Tina Gray Reed. He presented me to the church and said at he said, At this point, she is qualified to teach. She is qualified to evangelize. She is qualified to counsel because she's tried and true. And at that very moment, I knew then what church, what church was about, and I didn't have to go through, I didn't have to go through that hurt anymore of people continuing to whisper about my, about my sins. And he, he never, he never let me down. He, 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 uh, he called me Minister Tina. He would ask me, you know, before I was married, he would ask me to do, you know, he would ask me to do small things. He didn't he didn't just, like, throw me to the woods. He asked me to do small things. He took me step by step by step. And I, and I really, I just, I thank God for him. And at that moment, I was reconciled back to the church the right way. Uh, but and see, that's people, great. 
And if we had more people that did that and more more people that looked past what they think they know about you or what they thought they knew about you and truly see. Mm-hmm. Now, some of us just ain't progressing. And let the truth be told, some of us just don't want to grow, ain't trying to grow. Watch it. Come on, camera. Come on. But Come the on, ones that are, the ones that are truly trying to grow and are truly trying to do right and be right in God's eyes, we need more pastors like your pastor that say, hey, I understand that you are human and you are dealing with some things, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to make sure that we don't lose you because God needs you. We, If we had more pastors that did that, our world would be in a better state. Our churches would be in Absolutely. a better state. Our neighborhoods would be in a better state. Our households would be in a better state. Because I, we had a pastor that came to um, our church fire, fire uh, conference, and he said, how can you be something you've never seen? Mm. How, can, how can I be a good Christian to you if I don't know what that looks like? How can I be a, a mm. good minister if I don't know what that looks like? How can I be a good deacon, right. a good usher, good wife, husband, mother, father, whatever it might be, how can I be that if I don't know what it looks like? And it's more people not practicing what that look like than it is. is. And that's why we have so many hurt people from the church, hurt people from people, because we are so quick to condemn and so quick to judge, but none of us are quick to truly love on and love through with someone and mm-hmm. the issues that we know that they have. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I need help. Why not help me? Why talk about me? What does that right. benefit you to talk about me? And it doesn't benefit me. It just hurts me even more. So now I'm really like, I ain't going back to that church because all I do is talk about people because I'm not there yet. I ain't to never going back. <laughs> right. I, mm-hmm. I ain't going to no church because they don't do people right, <laughs> you know? But if I'd have had one yeah. sister or one brother that come to me and say, you know what, I see your pain, I don't know what it is, but let's pray about it. And I'm going to reach out right. to you every day. I'm going to become your prayer partner, and we're going to pray. I'm going to show you what God can do through prayer. God can do some wonderful things through prayer. A lot of people don't even know that because they don't even pray. There That's are so true. many things that God has done in people's lives through simple prayer, through intercession of prayer, through mm-hmm. community prayer, group prayer, having a prayer par- accountability partner say, hey, you read your word today, if it ain't number one verse, hey, did you talk to the Lord this morning when you woke up? Right. If we all had one person besides our spouses, because everybody ain't married, so then that's a whole nother thing. Amen. <laughs> you know that is. You know that that's is. a whole other thing. So who do you have in your life that's holding you accountable to your walk with God? Because mm. if I don't know yeah. what that looks like and I don't have anybody else in my life to show me what that looks like, I'm lost. And I'm lost not because yes. I truly want to be lost, but I'm lost because I don't know what it looks like. How am I supposed to be a Christian, truly saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost? What does that look like for me? And if I don't know what that looks like and I don't see anybody displaying that in the church, I'm definitely not going to find it in most cases outside the church. Absolutely. I, You know, I just, um, you know, I know right now it seems like we, you know, I don't want, I don't want anyone listening to think we're being critical 
of the church, but we I don't think we don't we really take into consideration that the church is the heartbeat of the world. You know, the, the church is the the heart is the heartbeat of the world. It is the heartbeat that connects us to the Creator, and that we you know we we as believers do we have a response we have a responsibility to God as well as each other to model what what we're supposed to be doing. And when we don't find that, like when you know when we don't when we walk into a place. Uh, and we don't see that, and when we walk into a place and we don't see that, that's hurtful in itself because it's like now everything that the world was saying, now that's true. They are liars. They are, you know, adulterers. They are fornicators. They they are this. They are homosexuals. They are this. You know, it's amazing. But people, you know, people do hold us, people do hold the church Church and church people, they hold us. They hold us to a higher esteem. They hold. They they hold us. They hold us high. They they want us. They want us to be a certain way. And when we and when we don't match that, we we do hurt people, because we we are the ones wanting you know wanting people to come in and be a part, and then we we isolate them or. They see us fight. They see us. They see us fighting and bickering with each other. I know I uh, attended the church, and I know probably like my second time being there, I saw a fight almost break out. I'm talking about like what in the world did I just walk into? And it left a bad taste. It left a bad taste in my mouth, and it caused me to look at some of those people a little different as well, especially with those people being in leadership and those people saying, "Well, you know, they 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 hold on to that title that I'm this and I'm that," but at the end of the day, they were focusing on people problems and and forget that they were actually in the house of the God, house of the Lord. They forgot. They at, at, it was probably about I said good ten fifteen minutes that they forgot where they were. That's and bad, if though. somebody, and I'm telling you, if somebody, somebody had walked in off the street that had not been like a part of that church, if somebody had walked in off the street and saw what I saw, oh my goodness, that That's that church would would <laughs> never. That church would never have members, would never have people to come in there if 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 somebody who was an unbeliever had walked in that day and witnessed what I witnessed. And that's really sad. That's because I went to, it's funny you said that, I went to my mom's churches, my old church women's convention last year. And one of the slogans that was on the board said, sinners aren't welcome because the saints are in here fighting. Come on, somebody. <laughs> well, that's the volume. Because if we as saints, saved, sanctified, born-again Christians, are supposed to grow, because my understanding is when I know better, I do better. Mm-hmm. When I, as I read the word and know the word for myself and pray and get discernment of the word, I'm supposed to apply that to my life, bit by bit by bit, there should be a change. People should see a change in the way I talk, in the way I walk, in the way I interact with people, et cetera, et cetera. There is supposed to be a difference. 
I'm supposed to see a difference. Yeah. I hear a difference. So if you don't hear, see, witness the change, people are so quick to talk about your sin, but what about theirs? Mm. Yeah. How many people, honestly, mm-hmm. in the world can say they didn't fornicate at some point in their life, but as they got closer to God, they grew. They knew better. They mm-hmm. not fornicating. People, you got people that drunk, that drink, people that have been smoking, people that was stealing, robbing, killing, lying, all of that. We Everything. We all had a list of things Something. that we've done that we had to get deliverance, because that's what it is. From we had to have God remove it from our, our taste of our tongues or the sound of our ears or the sight of our eyes, the touch, whatever it might be. We all, as we grow, we're supposed to be able to see that growth, hear that growth. Mm-hmm. So if my issue was fornication, if that was my sin, as I grow in the Lord and I no longer fornicate, I'm a married woman, hallelujah. <laughs> Then Amen. Come on, judge. my Mary woman. I'm not supposed <laughs> to judge the next sister that's fornicating. I'm supposed to teach her. I'm supposed to educate her. Right. I'm supposed to pray with her. I'm supposed to talk with her about how to come up out of that sin. What do I look like downing you for being a fornicator when that's my sin as well? And that's what I right. think church folks think, you know, they get a title of the holier than thou saints or whatever the case may be, I mm-hmm. think when people become saved and they get too saved, if that's even a word, they forget where they came yes, from. Yes, a word. You, you, yeah. you forget where you come from. You forget what your battles were in life. You forget what your struggles were in life. You forget that you was in the club every weekend. You forget that you was out there shaking your butt. You was getting high. You was fornicating. You was lying. You mm-hmm. was stealing. So... Instead of beating each other down, again, coming from church hurt, we get in the church and we want to look down our nose at people. We say, come as you are, but we don't accept them as they are. How do you help someone someone get from point A to point B to baby steps? No, babies are born. They got to learn how to crawl. Then Mm -hmm. they learn how to walk. Then before you know it, they're running. Then, you know, whatever, they go from breast milk to Similac to water, you know, regular milk to whatever. It's, right. a, it's a process. Solid food, yeah. So if yeah. I had to go through a process, who am I to tell you that you don't have a process? You and don't your have process mine. may take yeah. longer than mine. Your process may take longer than mine did. But I'm not to judge you because your process is taking longer. Oh, baby, you still struggling with that? Let's pray about it. Let's talk about it. Let's right. try to remove some of the temptations in your life so that you don't continue to keep going back. You don't keep backsliding. Because I'm, I'm not mistaken, and I'm still, again, trying to understand all of the word that I read. God used, everybody in the Bible that he used did something. You had a, you had a oh, murderer. Yes, they you did. had a thief. You know, you had somebody that was lying. You had a fornicator. I mean, God used those. You had a coward. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, am I right? Come on, right? Everybody that he used the word had some mm-hmm. sin, and he flipped it and used them for his glory. And so you, and you noted that all, 
and you notice that all those things that you just named are those people, like Moses killed somebody, but when Moses came back and he stood before Pharaoh, Moses was a changed man. He, what you say, he was yeah. old for the Lord. You know, yeah. each one of those people, they they made they made a change, and he dealt with some he dealt with some uh I I don't he dealt with some people hurt. I'm not gonna call it church hurt, but you yeah. know he dealt with those those same people that he came to deliver from Pharaoh. Then was the same people like then you when you, when you and Pharaoh friends, then you have a position in the um in the palace, then you do this, then you do that, and then then you kill you kill one of us and you know, he he got some things to come up against him but he still he still stood bold and did what he had to do and allow God to use him. And yes. you know I believe that it's just a it's just a call to change on everybody's part. I believe it's a call to the church to really step up to the assignment to fulfill the assignment, and I think it's a call to the people to get out of get out of pride. You know, put your put your pride aside. Like you said, we all do something or we all did something, and, and you know, just because somebody addressed it, it's it's not what you say, it's how you say it, how and some and like you it. said, the whole. You know what I'm saying? Like you say, the holier than thou. You know, you gotta remember that you can't. You you know, like I said earlier, the the people, the people who the kings who got rebuked by the prophets. You know, at the end of the day, they had a relationship, and it's 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 another call to the church to you know. Invest in your people, invest time into your people, get to know them, get to know their personalities and and things like that, and and, and really work and really work with work with people. And so it's 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 a it's a call on both sides to kind of step up to the assignment because we do we we the most important thing is like we have to love one another and then when when you do get hurt like don't hold on to it too long you know don't hold on to it and make that your excuse because you know when we do have to stand before God and He say you know where were you you can't right. say well Sister Tamara told me that um, my dress was too short, so I just I I just didn't want to come back. You know, that's not a, <laughs> you know, not that's not a, you know, that's that's not a good, that's not a good, that's not a good excuse. And even as a leader, when you have to stand before a God and he say, you know, as, as the shepherd, why didn't you, you know, if you read in my scripture that I went after one, why didn't, why didn't you follow up? Well, I got to, I got too busy because they was about to elect elect me to be the uh, number one bishop of of the of the United States of America Church or everybody. You know that's not a good you know that's not a good answer. We have to we have to understand that we gonna have to give an answer for everything we gonna we do. We have to give an answer for the people that we hurt, and then we the people that got hurt gonna have to give an answer for why didn't you forgive? You know, what, what, you know, why didn't you call to me for me to help you? Don't you know that even outside of that building, don't you know, I could have, you know, I'm, I'm all seeing, all knowing and almighty and I'm always present. Don't you know, I could locate you and come to you and work on you and deliver you. You know, everybody, you know, everybody got to step up. Yep. I think we, I believe every, everybody have to step up. Yes. I think communication is key. It's key in any relationship that you have in life, whether it's with your family, whether it's with your church family, whether it's with your friends, whomever it might be. 
communication is key. We don't know how to talk to one another at all. And then when we do talk to one another, it's sideways. It's disrespectful. It's yeah. judgmental. It's, you know, we don't know how mm-hmm. to sit one another down and say, hey, Sister Tina, this is what I'm thinking. This is how I'm feeling or this is what I suggest or this is what I think. We don't, and then we don't like to receive criticism. Oh, I'm yes. trying to, I'm talking Pratt. to you because Pratt. I truly care about you. But now I'm mad. Now she's mad at me because I tried to tell her, hey, huh, I know, you know, we said come as you are, but that dress is a little short. So how about next week you put some leggings on under it or you throw a scarf across your legs or you know what I mean? We just don't know how to talk to people. We come at people so yeah. crazy and so off the wall and then want to know why they don't want to come to church or want to know why they're looking at you yeah. funny or want to know why they got an attitude with you because your approach is all, like you said, ain't what you say, it's how you say it. It's because how you I can say leave you it. better if you sit me down and say, hey, Sister Tamara, I you know I don't I just want to come talk to you as a sister in Christ. I love you. I want to pray with you. I notice whatever it is right. you notice versus you coming. Now, girl, you know you need to go home with that dress on. Like there's <laughs> yeah. ways, there's ways to talk because now my my flesh is gonna take over because we operate in flesh a lot. We don't know how to operate in the spirit, yes. so don't don't even know in how to spirit. Yes. So if I don't know how to connect in the spirit, I don't know how to operate in the spirit, so I'm not coming to you in the spirit, nor am mm. I receiving you in the spirit. What but if say, I know if I don't know how, how to connect, connect. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I can't come to you the right way if I don't know what that looks like. Again, it goes back to that. That's if true. I don't know what that looks like, I don't know how to conversate. I don't know how to talk to my husband the right way, so how am I going to come talk to you in the right way? Oh, I don't know how to talk it. to my children the right way, so how am I going to come talk to you the right way? That's true. And, you know, back in the wanna... day, people don't understand, you know, back in the day, they don't understand about the mothers who, you know, with the, they used to have, like, blazers in the church or the, mm-hmm. those, the, the yep. sheets. Where like if your if your arms was out and they was telling you know and it wasn't that they were like judging what you had on they were just telling you to kind of cover yourself a little bit so you're not tempting someone else because again yeah. you wouldn't have to tempt you wouldn't have to tempt nobody if they they didn't you know have a little wandering eye problem or a little lust problem you know again we are all sinners and we they, you know they used to do. It. Yeah, they they used to do. It. They actually used to do it in love. They would give you that, that jacket or they would throw that scarf across your uh, across your dress because it was too short. And they wouldn't make you feel it they wouldn't make you feel ashamed. And there were even some mothers some mothers or church members who were you know, that they noticed that the person continuously like wore the short dresses or they club outfit from the night before. Some some of the church members would walk up and say, Hey, you know, hey sister Tamara, what size you wear? You know, yeah. Oh, okay, well, you know, I got I got some dresses that, you know, that's not really appropriate. That's cute, but it's not really appropriate for church. But I got some, I you know, I got some dresses and I got some suits. So you know, if you don't, if you don't mind taking them, so when you come to church, you know, you you could be appropriate. And the and, and what you said, it was the way that they talked to you. Now, if somebody just snatched you by the arm and look at you, 
you, you, you look at your dressing. Oh, I hate the way she dressed. That just make me sick how she dressing. Things like that. When you have that attitude, you lose people because now that may be the only thing that they have. Did you did you did you try to help me? You know, did you did you try to help me? Do you do you know that this is all I had and I you know, this is the only dress I have and I wash it out every Sunday so that I could come to church. I just wanna be in the presence of God. I wanna learn and you know, again, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And how you approach the situation because a lot of people are quick to confront you. Negative. They quick to confront you, but like you said, if I can't talk to my husband right, what am I doing talking to you? If I can't talk to my wife right, why am I talking to you? But if I can't talk to my children right, why am I talking to you? And if every time I come to church, I'm rolling my eyes, I got my face all tied up, I just have a whole nasty attitude, you wouldn't want me talking to you no way. Yep, that's true. But you know what? I'm going to say this. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute because we're disconnected. They, the youth, the youth tell us all the time, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand me, and mm-hmm. y'all just want to talk down to me because I'm young. So if I come to you, nice, kind, respectful about what you're wearing and how it's cute but not appropriate. Nowadays, or what you post on Facebook, right? <laughs> nowadays, these kids are still want to catch an attitude. They are still going to yeah. be mad. They are still going to be like, sister, so-and-so came to me out of order. But I really didn't say anything to you out of order, sweetheart. I just came to you because what you have on is not appropriate for church. However, I have some things that you could wear right. to come to church. You know, they, they still, so when you have a situation where there's a disconnect between the old and the young, because right now there's a disconnect, mm. right? That's our generation right now. It is. That's, that's a, the thing a big disconnect. that's going on with us. There's a huge disconnect between the youth and the adults. The youth feel like we don't understand them. The adults feel like they're crazy. They don't know what's going on. These kids ain't like they used to be. You know, and, and we've seen a trend of disrespectful youth and, you know, the youth just out of control and doing things. So my question is, and, and and that's for anybody that's listening that might have some insight on it, because this is something that I battle with, battle with a lot. Because I I work with, I deal mm-hmm. with youth a lot. Not work with, but I I'm always okay. somebody somebody's child is always with me. I guess I put it that way. I'm always connected to somebody's child. My husband works with teenagers and youth. I have teen, a teenager myself, teenager niece, daughter, and some of the behaviors that are being displayed are not of Christ, but they've been taught. Right. How do you connect? What do you do? Because the more you try, the more they push away. When I was growing up, some of the things that kids are doing, I I probably wouldn't be breathing right now. And they have conditioned society. The society has conditioned our children that we can't whoop them, we can't discipline them, we can't pretty much say nothing to them about anything that's going on, whether it's inside the church or outside the church. And a lot of the ones that are lost are youth. They're the young adults. Yes. They're between 16 and 25. I'm just going to put an age mm-hmm. division on it. How do you... Put a, put a knob on it. How do you reconnect 16 to 25? How do you pull them back into church, pull them back into being able to receive, pull them... I even go to 14 to 25. Pull them back in so that they truly see 
that there this is guidance that's being given and not judgment that's being given. This is guidance and not ridicule. This is guidance and not we're not condemning them for the things that they do. Our generation of youth is lost worldwide. It ain't just mm-hmm. in one city or state. It's across the country. Uh-uh. What do you do to connect How do you, with the youth? How do you do well, that? Well, what does well, that you, look like? You know what? At my church, uh, what was it, last week? Last weekend, we, we had a leader, leadership and worship conference. Uh, and the, the bishop who came in and spoke to us, he was talking about the uh, disconnection. You know, he, he addressed that. And what he said was that, you know, some of the older saints, you know, you got to come down and under, you know, you got to come down from the, the old hymns and the washboards and the old busted up wood floors. And you have to understand that the times have changed and that you have to, you have to be able to have a good blend. And you have to have, be able to have a good blend and and talk and, and and you know not be afraid to talk to them and hear their input and and I got a chance to work with some of the youth uh, while I was away in Oklahoma and I got a chance to work with some of the youth while um, I've been here in Chicago and one thing that um, we forget to do is we forget to ask ask them, like, you know, what are some of the things that they want to do? What are some of the things that they, you know, that they want to see? And, yes, they're there to come, you know, yes, they're supposed to come to church and, and you know, do what they're supposed to do, but we at a time where that that is the, that is the next heartbeat of the church, and we have to be willing to uh, teach, you know, again, it goes back to teaching. We have to be able to teach them the hymns and teach them, you know, be able to teach them in a way they understand and not talk over, you know, in a way they understand and not talk over their heads. Because a lot of times what we do is we talk over our heads. And what he he had an example, he said that, you know, the young people should respect the older people and understand, well, uh, uh, grandma, grandma like what a friend we have in Jesus. So me standing there and showing respect to grandma and singing what a friend we have in Jesus, that, you know, that lets grandma know that, I I know what what's dear to her, and then as in the, as in the, uh, as one of the older people when they come in, I'm just gonna use Kurt Franklin Stump because that was a very controversial song when it first came out. But just like the beat and how you know how things have changed in the church, you know it's like when they you know when they up there and they clapping and they jumping around and and they're expressing themselves that you have to support them. And it's a you know how do we pull them back? We have to support each other. As the older, we can't act like we know everything. And as the young, they have to they have to understand that they don't know everything, and that we have to meet we have to meet in the middle. And I I definitely appreciated Bishop when he brought that um, when he brought that because he said you're gonna lose you're gonna lose the youth if they have to keep coming Sunday after Sunday and it's nothing for them to do. So we have to have things, we have to have activities for them to do, like movie nights and, um, you know, um, conferences and, and, and teachings and, and just times where they could come together and just fellowship and actually feel comfortable inside the church without somebody, you know, hollering at them, breathing down their neck and, and, you know, going into that old rhetoric, oh, you young whippersnappers on, you know, we have to, we have to watch what we say. 
And I think you hit it dead on the head when you said communication. We They have to understand what the expectation of church is, and we also have to understand what their needs are, and we all have to step up and and, 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 and go forward. Okay. Well, I'm up to the challenge. You got to take the village, as they say, <laughs> to raise a child. Yeah. To raise many children. Um, and and we need the whole world communities. It's funny because I was having a conversation um, for months ago. I was talking to an old friend of mine, um, talking about how chaotic things are in the world and the community and stuff like that. And he said we should just do drive-bys. And I was like, well, drive-by, what's that going to consist of? And not what everybody is thinking where you go shoot nobody up. He was like, drive-bys on the corners and just snatch these kids up, whoop their butts how we got our butts whooped, then sit them down and teach them what it is that they need to know. Because the kids are nowadays, that they're not being taught. And then the ones that have been taught are, re- are rejecting the teaching. As adults, we reject teaching. We don't want to hear what it is you're trying to say or how you're trying to say it. We reject it. So our children are now doing the exact same thing that they see us doing. So, you know, as far as church hurt, people hurt, or just hurt in general, my suggestion and advice would be to seek God for yourself, develop a relationship for yourself, Find you somebody, big mama, grandmama, TT, cousin, auntie, that you can get with and learn what prayer looks like, learn what reading the word looks like, learn what discernment looks like, so that you can stand on what God loves and what God told you and not what people are showing you. Absolutely. And if I had to, and just to wrap up, if I had to say, anything to someone who has experienced any type of church hurt, I would say the first thing that you need to do is forgive. Just be willing to forgive Amen. those people and under and would be willing to forgive them and understand that there are good and bad everything and everybody. And don't be so quick to retaliate and, and like um don't be so quick to retaliate against them with like arguing with them and that's note to self. Don't be so quick to retaliate against them and argue with them. Be willing to, uh, you know, go to them and and talk to them. And if you don't know how to, you know, if you don't think that the conversation is going to go well, um, you know, take it to your take it to your leadership. You know, take uh, you know, take a, you know, if it's a child, take your parent with you. Um, you know, or take someone, take some people that you trust, so you can sit down and have that conversation and try to reconcile it. And the most important thing I would say is definitely pray about it. Pray about if that's the, you know, pray about if that's the church you're supposed to belong to. Pray about, you know, what 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 is your assignment in the kingdom, and, and also, you know, just just pray about how, you know, pray and ask for change inside yourself so that you're not operating in pride and thinking that everything is about you because your actual gifts and what you bring to the church is is it's not about you. It's about giving God all the glory, the honor, and the praise. And it's also about being um, being available to help someone. So 
people that experience people that have experienced church hurt, I, I I will take responsibility and say, I apologize that that happened to you. I apologize that, you know, you experienced that and, and I hope that you'll find it in your heart to forgive and, and come back and try it again because there's more than just that church that's out here. Amen to that. Amen to that. So, I, I think go ahead. No, I said I concur. I agree 100% with you. So I I thank you for your input tonight. That was it was great and I I I love everything that you I love everything that you bring and your insight and I hope the people listening were able to get some, you know, get some information and no we didn't we didn't touch on every inbox and we didn't touch on every post, but I think we hit the main vein and left something for the people to think about. So we signing off. So y'all have a good night and thank you for tuning in to the Woman Cave. Night, Tamara. Good night. You've been going through hard times, you just don't understand. You always give to others, but no one will lend a helping hand. I've been there before, where your ex don't think that you're by yourself. You gotta let it all out Don't leave your feelings on the shelf You may have to cry sometimes Confused and wondering why And you may have to hurt sometimes please don't throw in a towel Cause my God is faithful He will hear your call He'll be right there with you Oh